Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Have you guys ever wondered why it is that we, when we introduce new songs, that we would sing them for several weeks in a row? Or that when you, why it is that I come up here and I say like the same thing in like eight different ways for like eight weeks in a row? You guys ever recognize that? It's, it's the same reason why God had to continue to speak the same thing to the people of Israel. It's the same reason why when we're doing our times tables, why we keep coming back to it. It's the same reason why we, when we're learning our sight words, why we have to keep coming back to it. Because revelation requires repetition. We can gain a concept of a word, and maybe it's an instruction or a direction that God's given us, but we have to continue to repeat and come back to it time and time again till it really sets deep down into us, till it becomes true truth to us, to us, true truth to us. Yes. <laughs> yes, amen. It's the same reason why we can't read through the Bible once and have it all figured out. The same reason why we can continue to read through the Bible our whole entire lives and still get new stuff from it. Revelation requires repetition. And I want you to know that over this past, boy, year or so, all of the messages have had a purpose. And they've had a purpose of bringing us to this point. This is, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, but this is a God-sized Sunday. God's doing some big things here, and I'm excited to be able to communicate them with you. But in order to get there, we must grab a hold of the things that God has spoken to us over this time. So I want to bring a little bit of repetition so that we can fully grab a hold of the revelation. And so one of the things that we began talking about several months ago is how to deal with transition, right? We, we looked at the transition between pastors. We're looking at the transition between uh, the season of, the church, uh, of this church. We've looked at transitions in our own lives. Um, if we haven't noticed, we're all in a season of transition with all that's going on in our world. And so we looked at what are some things that we need to do as we enter into this time of transition, 
And one of the things that we need to do is evaluate the foundation. We need to look at that foundation. What's, what's solid? What is biblical? What is truth? If anything is not firm, we don't want to build on it, right? We don't want to continue to build on top of something that's just going to cave in later. And so we evaluate our foundations. Where, where there are parts that are broken, uh, we've looked at this in a, a spiritual concept in terms of if there are any idols any things that we are worshiping above God, any things that are getting in the way of us fully worshiping God, we're going to tear them down. we got to get them out of our way, tear down idols. And then that which is repairable, we need to continue to repair and, and fill in cracks where there needs to be filled in. And this is kind of an ongoing process that we, that we walk through. We talked about prayer, right? Because we will be a people and a church that is dependent on God. Right? This is how we figure out where we're going and how we're doing it. We listen to the voice of God. We will be a people of prayer and a church built upon prayer. We'll be a church about spiritual gifts because the Holy Spirit has been made available to all of us. When we give our lives to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of us, and he welcomes us to a further submission of him, a continual submission to him, where he would use us. And so we've talked about, so far, the manifestation gifts. How wherever the Holy Spirit is, that uh, these manifestation gifts are available to each one of us. So that means, right here, right now, that means at the gas station, that means in our schools, that means in the workplace, that means every single where that we, every place that we go, every single where, every single place that we go, that this is available, and we need to be those people who will continue to understand what it looks like for us to walk in these gifts, and what it looks like biblically for these gifts to be walked out, and then to be obedient and bold and courageous to actually step out and, and walk in them and live in them. And all of these things have been cushioned by discipleship. How do we grow in this? Well, the example of Jesus Christ is discipleship. So on all levels of the ministry that flows out of this church, it's from this discipleship standpoint, that invite, hey, we want you here. Hey, we want you here. We want you in our house. We want you at lunch. We want you at dinner. Uh, I want you at breakfast. I, I, I want you. I, I, we want you. Here's the invite. We want you to come deeper in Jesus. We want to help you take steps in Jesus. There's the invite. And then for those who come, for those who are willing we be an example. This is what Jesus did. He was an example before them. This is what this looks like. Sometimes before even pointing it out, he just he walked, walked it out, walked it out. Here's, here's your example. And then he would teach about it. And so sometimes there was a point where he walked it out and he was the example. And then it took a little while, but then he would point back and say, hey, remember when I did that? That's because this is the way of God. And he would teach them and walk with them and help them to understand it. And then there's this time of equipping and empowering, and then the release, right? This is the discipleship concept. This is how we function as a church. One of the other key things that we've been talking about, one of the key components is this faith. And it's this grabbing a hold of a vision that God is giving to us, this vision that we don't fully understand, that we don't fully comprehend, 
It's this vision of, of something that might be uncomfortable because we don't understand it, because we don't see it, but saying, God, you're in this, and I want whatever you want, so here I am. It's a stepping into that unknown and that abnormal with eyes, with eyes fixed on God. And what I believe is I, I'm calling up a people to be like Peter, a pre-sinking Peter. It's a lot of P's, pre-sinking Peter. Right. But the pre-sinking Peter stepped out on that water. And he said, you remember Pastor Ned talking about this? Right? Stepped out on that water with his eyes on Jesus. His eyes were fixed on it. And the things that were here right now, he wasn't paying attention to the wind. He wasn't paying attention to the waves. He was just paying attention to Jesus and his faith and his eyes were there. And then it's when his eyes went from focused on Jesus to now the situation that he started drowning. And that's what I'm calling up of us. That's what I'm calling up of us as a church. Let's have our eyes on Jesus who is able to do all things and there's no such thing as anything that is impossible with him. Amen. And let's, let's go there. Let's go there and pay less attention to this right here, the waves and the difficulty. We've talked about this um, from the sense of King Nebi and how Nebi was given this vision and this call to live by, and he decided not to live by it. He decided to live by what he, the, the way that he wanted to live, that he would get the glory instead of, instead of God. And as he decided that he wasn't going to follow this vision, but instead follow his own vision, he cut off the blessing and ended up falling literally to his hands and knees. It is a good place. Lord, would you bring more of us to that place, to our hands and our knees before you, that you would be glorified all the more. Be glorified in our lives, Jesus. This is a significant moment, though, and I keep saying it because I want us to grab a hold of it. I want us to step into it in faith even before I declare what this moment actually is. I want us to grab a hold of it. And we're walking into a new series that's going to help walk us through this season. And the title of the series is I Will Rise. I Will Rise. And it's a declaration. It's a prophetic declaration. And it's something that I, with all my heart, I hope that all of us would walk into and leave this series and say, yes, I, I, I will rise. I will rise. And the title of my first message, our first message is the name we became. The name we became. I want to um, go ahead and jump into Genesis chapter 28. As we turn there on your devices or in your Bibles, uh, a little bit of context for us. Um, as we look at the end of Isaac's life, then he has uh, a couple boys, Jacob and Esau. And Esau is named because of how hairy he was. You guys remember that? I, I forgot to bring it, but I was going to bring my son's bear rug and like put it over my arms and just to help you guys with the illustration a little bit. But just imagine like hair everywhere. Poof, Esau. Um, and he's the oldest and his younger brother 
Jacob uh, is, is named after like clinging to the heel or that which is coming after because of the way that they were, the way that they were birthed. And uh, Esau, being the oldest, was supposed to get the blessing from his father, right? This is the way it worked within that culture. Jacob was the younger one, but Jacob was the favorite. He was the favorite of the mom. And so Mama Bear helped um, Jacob to uh, trick his dad, essentially, um, into getting this blessing. So all of this goes down, and Jacob gets the blessing. And then we get to this point where um, Isaac gives this direction to Jacob. He says, I want you to go to these people. I want you to go to Laban, and I want you to uh, pick your wife from there, right? We, this is what I'm calling you to do. Here's the vision I want you to step out on. And Jacob, Jacob does it, right? So he has to have some level of belief and investment within this vision that his father's given him. And here's what happens, because he takes a step, and a step is the intersection of faith and works, okay? So what takes place is there's this faith placed in this vision, and he begins to take a step, and as he takes a step, it begins to become a work. It begins to become an action. It, become, it begins to become an outworking of his, of his life. And that is like a, a it, it pushes him towards the next vision, okay? So faith is taking place in this vision. A step is began to be taken, and that uh, is proceeded by another step and another step and another step. And now we're walking, and then we get to a place where another vision is given. And this is, this is life, This is life with Jesus, where he continues as we press in, as we would be open to this vision, he'll continue to release more and more vision. And so um, his steps and uh, the steps that he's taking towards Laban bring him to an unfamiliar place. And this is where we pick up in the scriptures. We're going to be in Genesis 28, verse 10. If we could pull those scriptures up, please. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place and he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. So just just picture it. You take a stone, put it there. Seems like a comfortable pillow. And now we're going to lay back and we're going to sleep on that rock. Verse 12, and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder. So picture a a yellow ladder here, an A-frame ladder, just chilling here. I was going to have like Jen or someone get up there with some little wings, uh, because the next thing that takes place is that there are angels who were ascending and descending on it. Okay, so this is all taking place in a dream after his head's on the stone. Verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, here's here's more vision. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and shall spread out abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
And so we see how this worked, how there was a vision placed in front of him. Faith was placed in that vision, which stirred in him to cause to take a step and to cause to move into action. And as he walked into that action and as he was faithful to that action, there was another vision that was given and he continued to walk out in that. And in this moment, God, God begins to give confidence. Anybody want confidence? Here's the biggest confidence builder that I can find in the Bible is I'm with you and I'm going to go wherever you go. That's so good, right? That the God who literally can do anything and the one who like can speak a word and there's like universes. That's pretty nuts. And that he's with you everywhere that you go. That's awesome. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. He's a promise keeper. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep, it says. But consider this, consider this story. And so he was laying on the rock. He falls asleep. I don't know how you do it, but he does. I have a memory foam pillow and I have a hard enough time falling asleep on that. But that's a rock. So he falls asleep on the rock. There's the ladder and the angels descending up and down on it. But he wakes up and think about what's around him. Literally in the physical, nothing has changed. In the physical, it looks exactly the same as it did when he fell asleep. But something has changed because there was a genuine encounter. And one moment of genuine encounter can change a lifetime of perspective. You realize that? One moment of genuine, true encounter with Jesus can change the way that you see every single situation from that moment forward. Amen. It did for me. It did for me. Encountering Jesus in that jail cell, I, it was done. I'm like, oh my gosh, this God is real. Okay, let's go. And I've been saying that ever since. One moment of genuine encounter can change a lifetime of perspective. You know why, that's one of the reasons why we put, uh, why we think it's essential as a church to walk in evangelism. Because all you've got to do is be available and step out. And right then and there, there can be a genuine encounter with Jesus that can transform this person's outlook for the rest of their life. This is why we put such an emphasis on studying through the Bible. Because as people read the word, there can be a moment of genuine encounter right there. This is why we put an emphasis on worship because right then and there, people can come and have an encounter. And it says at the second part of verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. It's that moment of, <laughs> oh my goodness. God is here, and I didn't even know it. How could such a big God not? Oh, Lord, make yourself known. Verse 17, and he was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took that stone that he had put under his head. He picked it up off that ground. He set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. I just, I'll just keep pouring that. 
keep pouring it. It's one of those slow pouring little oil things, you know, you just got to keep tapping it. Like one of those essential oil things. I haven't quite figured out how to actually get the oil out of those little containers. So he took it, he poured oil on top of it. Verse 19, he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Luz. Loves. And so there's, a, there's an identification change. There's a, a name change right then and there. Luz means, um, there, there's a couple of different beliefs of what it means. I'm going to go with one rather than the other. But, so Luz means either almond or separation. I'm going to go with separation. And Bethel, this new name, means house of God or place that I go to encounter. Or the presence of God is here. So think about that transformation from a single moment. A place of separation now being called a place of encounter. And so what was once an ordinary place, what was once a, just a normal place, has now became abnormal, has now became different. And what was once used as a tool for rest is now a tool that's being used for propulsion, to jet forward, to rise up. What was used as this tool to lay down on and a place to come and and get cozy next to is now propelling movement and change and momentum. Verse 20, Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. And so we get this this full vision of this transformation of a place because of a vision. The name change because of a vision. A prophetic future because of a vision. Now let me ask you this. I'm going to run through a series of questions. The first is this. Are names important? And are names biblical? These are the things that we need to be asking not only with this, but in every situation. And I probably say this every single week. What does the Bible say? Everything that comes out of our mouth has to go back to here, and we got to continue asking that question. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about it? So our name's important. Our name's biblical. Here's, here's number one. God has names. God chose to reveal himself and give names that would help people to understand his identity and his actions, what he's like. Consider some of these names. Adonai. It conveys a sense of God's rulership. Ancient of days, that God is outside of our concept of time. This one kind of rhymes, and I was thinking about making a rap to it, but decided not to. Elohim Hayim. We could could take that so far. Elohim Hayim, the living God. He is not dead. He's alive. He is, he's alive and well. El Elyon, God most high. He's above everything else. El Olam, the eternal God. 
He was before anything else existed. I like this one. El Roi, the God who sees me. Oh, someone needs to hear that. God sees you. God sees the trouble that you're going through. God sees the pain that you're in. El Shaddai. Oh, that's pretty good too. God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh. I've experienced this one firsthand. God will provide. Jehovah Nisi. God is my banner. He's my hope. Jehovah Ra'ah. God is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Jehovah Saboath, the commander of armies. Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. God our, our perfect wholeness. Jehovah Shema, God of the presence. God of I am, I am there. Jehovah, I've, I was saying this one all week. Sid canoe. I, so I make up random sounds as I'm fighting with my children, and that's been the latest one. So I'll, I'll get right up in their side and just be like, Sid canoe, Sid canoe, Sid canoe. It kind of reminds me of, uh, what was that Street Fighter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. What does it mean? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Is <laughs> God of righteousness. Yahweh, or I am. You guys remember? I love that. As Moses is asking, who who should I tell that is sending me to to call them into freedom? He says, I am. Why? Because whatever you need, wherever you're at, I am. These are all names given to God to help us to understand who he is to help us to understand his, his nature. The second part of this, so God has names himself. Number two, God has given names and given man to give names. Remember how God gave authority to Adam in the garden to name all of the animals and called, them to have, called him to have authority? It's naming is a part of our birthright as children of God. And the enemy, enemy likes to, to twist names because, um, well, let's answer the second question. Are name changes biblical? Some. It does happen in the Bible. The enemy, again, goes on this concept of a name, helps people to understand who this person is and what this person is like, okay? And the enemy would like to take a name and twist it, and rename something in order to try to change their identity, okay? And so we saw this in our last series with Azariah, with Hananiah and Mishael. Remember how uh, King uh, Nebi gave them new names, right? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, after the gods of, of that place. We saw Daniel's name was changed to Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, and we see this in a couple other places where Jehoiakim is renamed, um, uh, renamed in order to try and change his identity for the negative. And then we see with Gideon that his name was changed to, to Jerubbaal by the men of 
Oprah in order to change, try and change his identity. But God also renames. Did you realize that? God also renames. You remember Sarah or Sarai and Abram and Abraham changing their name to go after a vision of something more. Remember Abraham? He, he, Abram meant exalted father and Abraham meant father of many because this vision that God had given him was that his offspring would be as numerous as like the stars in the sky. And then we saw Jacob changed his name from um, Jacob, which is seizing the heel, to Israel, the one who wrestles with God or is triumphant with God. And I love this in uh, Hosea. And the people of God were referred to as Lo-Ami and Lo-Rumah. Um, that reminds me of Gaga. Rumah. Uh, uh, okay. Um, Lo-Ami is changed to Ami. Lo-Ami means not my people, and it's changed to my beloved. Lo-Rumah, not my loved ones, or not my people to my people. I may have got those twisted around uh, one for the other. But listen, if we're not about name changes and we're not open to it, then heaven's not going to be a good picture for us because Revelation 2.17 says that he's going to give us each a new name. So let's talk about us as a name as a church. Who have, who have we been? Shiloh. We have been Shiloh. And I... I've been digging deep. I want to, uh, biblically, what, what does Shiloh mean? And I, I've actually learned some things this week that I didn't fully recognize. Joshua 18.1 declares um, that this is a place to gather, that Shiloh is a place where people come to gather. Joshua 18.8 says that it was a place gathered and it was a, a place of gathering and to set up for a future and future inheritances. In Joshua 18, 31, it says, So they set up Mark Micah's carved images that he made as long as the house of God was at Shiloh. And so it also became a place of carved images and idols worshipped. In 1 Samuel 1, 3, it says, Now the man who used to go up uh, from year to year, from his city to worship and to sacrifice the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. So it was a place where people would come to and be in the presence of God. This has certainly been true of us, of this as a church, that people have come here and sit in the presence of God. From ministers before me, they've, they've led well. 1 Samuel 3.21 says, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. So Shiloh has been a place of God revealing himself to people. Anybody attest to that, that that's true? Jeremiah seven twelve. go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did because of the evil of my people Israel. And so Shiloh biblically also was a place where sinful things took place. And that's just the nature of anything when names are attached to humanity. 
because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is sin wrapped up into, into names. So that's kind of, that was just the, the understanding that I was brought into what Shiloh has, uh, what Shiloh has meant biblically. And then also recognizing that all the things that the Lord has done through Shiloh, God has done much here at this church. But um, so here's, here's what I believe God is saying to us as a church. I'm giving you a fresh vision of where I'm calling you to go. I am placing on you a new name. I am placing on you a new identity. I am placing on you a fresh prophetic vision of who I'm calling you to be from a place of coming and sitting, sitting in the presence to a place where we're going from the seats to the streets, where we are rising up. And that's the name that God's calling us to submit under. Rise Church. Why? Because the people of God are always on the rise. Think about Jerusalem. For the people of God, people were always rising. People were always going up to Jerusalem. Think about our prayers. Our prayers are constantly on the rise up to God. Our, the incense that we're creating with our worship, it's a continual rising up. Think about who we're, we are as people of Jesus, that we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that we are those who will rise up out of that grave, Amen. that we will rise in life situations. Consider our call, our, what does it say? Our upward call to continue to press towards our upward calling because we will be a, pre a people and a church that rises. The people of God, we are a people that rise up from ashes. We are a people that go from ashes to dancing, from mourning to joy. What is it? Psalm 30, 11 that says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. This is the vision that I'm asking and that I believe God is asking us as a church to embrace. This vision of who he's calling us to be. It's the place where the rubber meets the road within our, our faith, where our beliefs begin to produce action, that we're taking steps just just like in that story, he took a step in a specific direction. And this is a calling of us as a church that we grab a hold of this vision, but also as individuals. I'm calling each of us to rise. I'm calling each of us to rise to what God has called in your life. Next week, I'm going to be asking for a commitment. I'm going to be asking for those of you who would say, I'm in, who will be saying, I will rise. I will rise. Now, here's the, the reality of this, though. Let's not have an elephant in the room, and let's acknowledge some of the pain that this brings up. The changing of a name. I've talked to a number of people uh, within our leadership team who have said, oh my gosh, like, God, God touched me here. God, God transformed me here. 
God brought me through and I didn't think anything else was going to bring me through. God, God did it. And that was, it was through Shiloh. There's so much good stuff that God, that God has done through this church, Shiloh. And I think it's important. I've said this a number of times that um, this be a safe place where we can communicate some of our, our pain. I think as a culture that we're not very great at mourning, that we're not very great at acknowledging pain, that we don't know how to walk with people through it. And I really want to try and work on that. I want this to be a time where we can communicate, gosh, Ben, this, this hurts. This hurts a little bit. I, I want to be able to look back and say, this is all the things that God has done. I would love just to like have a wall with testimonies of what God has done through Shiloh. I think we saw a number of those things um, uh, uh, platformed as Pastor Tony was retiring. And I want to continue to do that. Let's talk about what God did through Shiloh. But at the end of the day, all the leaders said, all right, if this is what God's doing, I'm in it. I'm in it. And so that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm calling us, us to do. I want to see the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, signs, miracles, wonders, supernaturally on the move throughout the streets of Idaho Falls, throughout the, the, the region of Southeast Idaho. I want to see these things on a rise. And I believe that as God is calling us to change our name to Rise Church, that this is a part of the prophetic thing that he's doing within our area. So again, next week, I'm going to be asking for people to be saying, yes, I, I will rise. Lori, would you come as we begin to head towards a close? There's a lot to acknowledge with this. I, I don't want, I don't for one second think that just in this moment, remember how we were talking about before service? How this transformation doesn't all just happen in one second? This is something that we don't fully understand. We don't fully see. We don't have the full vision of. It's not fully clear. Some of the things are blurry. But just as the waves are increasing, I'm going to keep my eyes on God. Amen. I'm going to continue to walk forward and step into the vision that he's giving to us. So Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I, I, I pray for comfort for any that, that this may come as a shock to. God, I pray that you would, um, where there may be people in opposition, I pray, Lord, that you would soften. I pray that, boy, I've done the best I can of convincing from a biblical standpoint, but we also know from reality, Lord, that it's, it's you. You bring conviction. You release vision. You break down walls. You break down barriers. You turn seas into highways. You're able, Lord. So I'm just asking that. Father, as I've been crying out for months, I just pray for a unity within this church, a unity in this vision that you're setting before us. Bring us together, God. 
And Lord, I just see that as we come together, there's this momentum thing that just builds and that this is a key moment. God, I believe. I've stepped out in faith here. This is scary. But I'm, I'm walking towards it. I'm fully embracing you. Lord, I pray that as this would be reflecting in personal lives, as this moment would be taking place in personal lives for a reinvention, for a new creation, for a new work in lives, God, I pray for a full embrace of that as well. That you're calling new things out of people. You're stirring up new gifts. You're speaking in new ways. You're moving in new ways. So God, I pray that you would continue to do that, continue to rise within us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, hope you enjoyed the message. And remember, the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.